0: Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of restaurantowner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. And welcome to another episode of Corner
1: Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And our guest today is the executive director
0: of the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Some of you independent restaurant uh, operators out there listening, maybe are a member. Maybe some of you aren't, but would like to learn a little bit more about the organization and uh, so that you know exactly why and how you can support it. So this is going to be a really good a really good time, I think, for us to learn more about where we are in the industry uh, and what we can do to help ourselves and help each
1: other. Erica, welcome to Corner Booth.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Chris and
1: Barry. It's a pleasure to meet you both. Pleasure to meet you, Erica. We are interested in, in Independent Restaurant Coalition very much so. Typically, when we start these podcasts off, uh, we want to learn about our guest, and maybe you could tell us uh, how you came to this job, uh, did, was there a particular background you had in the restaurant industry? Maybe some insights for our guests to understand you know, why you have decided to commit yourself to uh, this and what we consider a very important organization. So you want
2: to know about my checkered past is what you're really
1: asking me. Um, well, <laughs> whatever, whatever you yes. feel comfortable sharing with us, there's no pressure yes. here at all. This is a, yes, yeah. we do.
2: Yes, we do. <laughs> so okay. I, am, I am not a chef. I am not a restaurateur. Um, for 20 years, I have... Operated a series of dinners in Oregon called Plate and Pitchfork. We have dinners on farms to promote sustainable agriculture and reconnect diners with the people and places that their food comes from. Because of those dinners, I've developed relationships with chefs and farmers, restaurant owners all over the state of Oregon. And when the pandemic was starting to impact all of them in March of 2020, my phone started lighting up from folks saying, This is bad. Uh, We know that you know how to reach the governor and people in the state capitol. Can you help us? That led to me doing some work with local independent restaurants in the state. And as a result of that work, I was invited to join a call on March 18th of 2020. That was the very first call of what would then become the Independent Restaurant Coalition. I was a volunteer with the coalition for the first four months. And in June of 2020, the coalition members asked me to serve as their executive director. So I've I've been with the coalition since the beginning.
1: Oh, excellent. Excellent. So you do have, a lot, apparently you have a lot of interest in the food industry. And, and, uh, and of course, uh, and particularly in, in the last several years, uh, um, you know, farm to table is, uh, they, they call it a trend, although they kind of joke about it here in North Carolina, because uh, people who went back long enough, who remember when, if you were inland, farm to table was because that's the only way you got food. But that that's fascinating. And, and so tell us a little bit about how the you know the independent restaurant coalition kind of came into my under on my radar about the time that the that the uh, pandemic was really beating up the industry what was the pathway for it finally to get the attention of the industry to get the attention of of people in uh, in government can you tell us about how that all kind of came together in some more detail it's pretty fascinating
2: Sure. On March 18th, there was of 2020, there was a call of 18 people. They were chefs, uh, restaurant owners, a couple of folks that supported the industry, all came together with a singular purpose of saying, this is bad. This is not looking good. The the discussion in Washington, D.C. right now is about the payroll protection plan. That's not going to help restaurants if we can't bring our employees back. Folks were needing safety guidance. And from that singular call, the Independent Restaurant Coalition was born. If you can put yourself in the Wayback Machine and remember those first few weeks of the pandemic, we all thought that the pandemic was going to last for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So we didn't start with the intention of creating a new trade association. We started knowing that when we are united and singularly focused it is easier to be heard in places where decisions are being made. And so the IRC came together very quickly. Within the first few weeks, we were having two-a-day phone calls, we um, engaged with government affairs consultants, we engaged with public affairs strategists, and we got busy. And within the first month, we went from 18 people to a few hundred people, um, and we have been growing ever since. But in terms of how we got attention in in the halls of Washington, D.C., we engaged great people to help us find ways to get attention to this industry. Uh, We worked with an organization called Compass Lexicon. We did an economic impact survey um, or study, I should say, about the economic impact that independent restaurants have on the U.S. economy. And we just got loud and unified. We went from advocating for changes in the payroll protection plan. A few of our members were uh, included in a meeting at the White House where some of those changes were advocated for. And then we came together with the concept of the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, which was a grant program to replace revenue lost during the pandemic. And for nearly two years, we sounded like a broken record, Mm -hmm. um, rallying folks across the country, whether they were restaurateurs, chefs, diners, employees, asking for that financial relief that independent restaurants so desperately needed.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, I want to underline that point that you made because we were all there. You know, I mean, it seems like a long time ago, but we were all there uh, in March 2020. And we were all believing that this was going to be a bad speed bump, but just a speed bump, eight, 10, 12 weeks. We're supposed to be okay. Uh, And obviously the issues were much bigger and much longer lasting. So instead of a singular focus, let's all get together and try to help ourselves through the pandemic. Maybe you could now articulate the issues that are still remaining. Uh, The pandemic is a little bit, well not a little bit, much more manageable now. Uh, But independent restaurant issues are, are still paramount. Um, And maybe you could take a couple minutes to let the listeners know how the coalition sees those issues, what are they and what can we do about them?
2: Well, so first and foremost, I think we need to acknowledge that the Restaurant Revitalization Fund was enacted as part of the American Rescue Plan, but it was only funded with enough money to take care of one third of the applicants.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So there are many hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of restaurants that are still financially struggling because they were not supported. Um, unfortunately, the Senate sort of has, on numerous occasions, declined to replenish the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. Uh, yeah. The last of those was was in August. So I just want to acknowledge that we still have hundreds of thousands of restaurants. Well, 177,000 restaurants applied for relief through that program and did not receive any. And so they have this extra burden that those who didn't need to apply for funding or those who received funding. Um, don't have there are lots of other things facing independent right. restaurants mm-hmm. um there are things like the employee retention tax credit which was something that we all expected to be able to use for all of 2021 was eliminated for the fourth quarter of 2021 that was another great funding mechanism to support employers um, it was used for a pay for and another proposal and so all of a sudden folks who were sort of hoping that they would have that financial lifeline, that went away. The IRC is advocating to bring that back. Um, Or or maybe to see that included in the tax package that we'll see at the end of this year. Um, The, I'm trying to not sound like alphabet soup. You two will catch me if I do, but this is interesting.
1: Keep
0: going. (laughs) We need need to hear this. I hope everyone's making notes.
2: There was something called the EIDL, which is an emergency funding loan program through the right. Small Business Administration. Um, that was also sort of cut short. And we have since learned that the Small Business Administration has remaining lending authority, and they could turn that program back on. Uh, so while we know that restaurants would be much better off if they had a grant, not a loan. There are certainly restaurants and other small businesses that would benefit if the SBA would turn that program back on. So we are advocating for that. Like I said, it's already been authorized. They have the money to do it. It's a little unclear why they're not doing it, but we are fiercely advocating that the EIDL program is turned on again. And then we also learned through a GAO report, which is a government oversight agency that The restaurant revitalization had a little bit of money left over that the SBA did not spend. And so the IRC is advocating that they spend every last penny in that account and that the money that they've reclaimed through um, fraud investigations also be distributed. Mm -hmm. So moving away from alphabet soup a little bit, there are lots of other big challenges. We know supply chain is an issue. We know that the um, credit card swipe fees that merchants have to cover. Um, those uh, have the, the swipe fees have increased dramatically through the course of the pandemic. And it's this weird industry where two businesses can control about 80% of the market. And so we have joined a merchant payment coalition advocating that there is more competition in merchant payments. Right now, the typical restaurant owners got their top costs are food and labor, of course, but then swipe fees is coming in right behind those. And as restaurant owners, you have no say in what you're paying because there's no competition in the marketplace. And imagine, I mean, it would be great if we all went back to cash, but that's not happening, right? Especially in the pandemic. No, we all I don't went think to, so. <laughs> yeah, we all went to contactless, right? And yeah. so-
0: It's incredible the amount, we, we just had a- you know, report of, of drive-through fast food concepts. And you know, 65, 70% of their revenue is non-cash. I mean, so drive-through windows, uh, everybody, coffee yeah. counters. Uh, it's just, it's what we do. Sit down restaurants, typically 85 to 90% of the customers, all credit cards. So yeah, this is a big issue. I'm glad you brought it up.
2: Yeah, and swipe fees have more than doubled in the last decade and So as I mentioned, you know, oftentimes they're the third highest variable operating cost um, and restaurants and bars can't negotiate the prices. And so we are advocating along with this merchant payment coalition to make changes to that. Um, We're also preparing for the reauthorization of the farm bill. I know that might sound funny, but if you think about supply chain and you think about especially independent restaurants and their relationship with local purveyors or national, you know, we, we all need... Without without farms, we have no food, no. right? And um, the reauthorization of the Farm Bill addresses farming-related issues. It also addresses nutrition programs, things like SNAP, Double Up Food Bucks that um, support folks at farmers markets. And you will find, as I'm sure you have experienced in talking to restaurant owners, when there's a crisis, restaurant owners are the first to step up. So whether that's feeding the community after a hurricane, whether it's making sure that kids know how to um, eat a healthy meal, restaurants are involved in that. And so we are also engaging around the farm bill to uh, address those issues. And then, of course, the other biggie, two more, um, labor and immigration issues.
0: Yeah, I knew you were going to get to that. Uh, Sure.
2: Yeah, you know, we, we hear all the time, like, nobody wants to work and that statement makes me absolutely crazy if you look back at newspaper articles back to the 30s and 40s you see the same rhetoric you know it's it's not that people don't want to work we need to acknowledge and remember how many people we lost to the pandemic you know covid robbed so many lives it has also permanently disabled many people the restaurant industry um, wasn't thought of as a frontline industry yet. Our our folks were were cooking through all of it, um, serving people, making sure their communities were fed, and putting themselves in great peril to do that. So we have a labor shortage. Uh, it's it's not that people don't want to work. We we don't have enough folks in the in the workplace, and there are ways around that if we address some of the immigration issues that we we have in this country. We have lots of willing folks that want to work that are unable to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, another big issue. And then the overarching thing that the IRC is committed to doing, no alphabet soup in this statement, the, our lawmakers don't really understand the difference between an independent restaurant or a chain restaurant. They don't understand how our businesses operate. They don't realize that our profit margins are oftentimes 6% or less. And so we have the huge task of educating people that are making policies that impact this industry so that they understand who they're dealing with and they understand what our ecosystem looks like.
1: I'm so happy you mentioned that because my next question was going to be this, which you already answered. Um, I deal with a lot of people who are uh, attorneys who represent the industry, uh, particularly independents, and who have a great deal of interest in what's going on legislatively. And these are sophisticated, experienced people saying, you know what, our Congress people or people in Senate, the people who are running the agencies really don't understand the independent restaurant sector at all. They don't understand what tip credits are about. They don't understand the importance of, um, of, of, of workers in terms of immigration status coming into the industry. Um, you know, there's this huge disconnect with actually what independent restaurants have to struggle with. Um, so in terms of educating Capitol Hill and then the state legislatures on this um what, uh, what kind of things are you doing to, to help these lawmakers who are making policy or creating um, regulations related to this industry to understand, first of all, how big this, the independent sector is? And then also the nuances that they need to understand in terms of creating policy.
2: Well, all of it started way back in March 2020 when we started talking about the economic impact restaurants had on the community. You know, we we did that national study that also provided data at a state by state level. Now, the IRC is only two and a half years old at this point. So the independent restaurant coalition started advocating fiercely in March. And one of the biggest things we needed to let people know is how many people worked in restaurants and who worked in restaurants and what economic impact they have on their own community. So we developed a set of fact sheets for every state. We demonstrated how if restaurants were impacted. So I'm an Oregonian and in, in Oregon, we have 32,000 small family farms. You know, when restaurants closed, those farms lost clients um, Oregon also has a very big distillery and winery community. and so we were able to tease that out and show how when you close a restaurant, you impact the entire supply chain, from the folks that are bringing supplies in, to the landlord, to the linen supplier to the employees that you have to let go. So we've we've had two years to start delivering those messages and develop relationships in DC and also at a state level. Now the IRC does not have state chapters, and we are not working on state specific policy. However, In the two years that we've been around, we've supported a grassroots army, for lack of a better term, Um, folks who have always advocated for their local charities or something else, right? Like restaurants are the place where you go if you need your little league team to be sponsored, or you're having a cancer charity, right? They've always been great at speaking out for other people. And this was the first time that they had to say, our industry is struggling. Oh my gosh, nobody understands us. I need to speak up and advocate for us. Mm-hmm. And so, once you have people armed with the information they need, um, building up their confidence to make them know it's okay to ask for help, you can't you can't put that back in a box. Mm-hmm. And so, you see restaurant tours and restaurant employees right now nationwide participating in things like Restaurant Rally the Vote. You know, we're not telling people how to vote but we're telling people how important it is to vote Mm -hmm. so that the candidates that you like, that understand you, that are listening to you are in office and and can be your voice. I mean, so much of this has come back to teaching civics lessons. um, You know, you, you forget that our government is for the people, by the people. You forget schoolhouse rock, right? You need, you need change in government. That old little that old um schoolhouse rock of I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. Sure. So the beginning yeah. of that is the people went to their congressman and said, We need your help. And the congressman said, There ought to be a law. Right. And so reinforcing that that's how politics should work, and that you can't sit back and you can't be quiet is one of the things that the IRC is is really honestly quite proud of. And committed to continuing to do. So we started this with the pandemic and now rather than just being singularly focused on the restaurant revitalization fund, there are different members of the coalition that are focused on EIDL versus credit card fees and their personal stories are what change hearts and minds in DC. Mm -hmm. And those same skills that they've learned, they're now applying also to their local legislative efforts. Um, In fact, some restaurant owners um, are running for office. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's taking up space in a way that in hospitality, we generally don't, right? We are there to serve others. Um, We want everybody else to have a good time. We put everybody else front and center. And now this industry is taking up a little more space and making it known how important they are to your local economy. And sorry, in between dog barking and me rambling, you guys. No, no,
0: actually, actually, you you did really, no, you really hit some, I mean, really significant points. And I want to ask you if, if in education of state legislatures, county leaders, national policymakers on the fact of how our industry works, how important it is, um, how, um, how it affects other industries, um, do you feel like. Um, that it's gotten a little bit more public knowledge now. And and I'll tell you why I asked. I think I was told this, that maybe sometimes in really, really bad times, sometimes some good things happen. And um, many people have thought because of the pandemic that the general public now might realize how important restaurants are to their community, whereas before they didn't. Um, And because it was so front page, restaurants are closing, people are unemployed, people now realize how large of an industry we are, how many people we employ. And some people actually realize that busy restaurants aren't automatically just made of money, that people are doing this for a dime. Or less on the dollar. So I wanted to ask you: When you're out there now talking to people, um, is is uh, are we are we kind of getting through? Do you feel like there is a little greater understanding of the trials and tribulations of the independent?
2: Yes and no. Um, I think the of all the things you just mentioned, what people don't understand is that a busy restaurant isn't necessarily a healthy restaurant. So, folks said. Oh, well they have patios, they're doing fine. Oh, they can do to go food, they'll be fine. And so we still have a long way to go to break that down into something that is more accessible and understandable. Now, we have definitely succeeded, you know, it, uh, an independent restaurant puts about 90 cents of every dollar they earn right back into the community, um right. versus, you know, a large national chain and that number drops down to 60 cents or lower. Now, that's something that I think we see more awareness of, I think, the connection between suppliers and the ripple effect of how we impact the economy. I think that's definitely more, there's more of an awareness there. We get to these weird places where people realize that all these restaurant employees were unemployed, right? Because those were the headlines. But then there's this hiccup where people say, oh, well, they'll just get other jobs. And then they wonder why restaurants have a labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Right so all of these folks who could not afford to just sit on their hands while their restaurants were closed sometimes for up to 18 months right. went out and sought other employment I, it boggles my mind for people to think oh they're going to flip a switch and they're just going to come right back to the industry like it just doesn't work that way and no.
1: you have to no. cultivate
2: the next generation of folks that are coming into the industry so i i think i think we're a little more than 50% there i think there are silver linings of every crisis. And obviously the silver linings are thin, right? But, but for this industry, so this is the first time we've united our voices. It's the first time that we've realized what an impact we can have. And so I think there has been positive change. Now I, in the past few months, I've, I've been to DC twice recently. Um, And just the difference between my first visit and my second visit on the questions people were asking indicated that they are getting it.
0: Excellent, excellent, good work. How are the independent operators reacting in your opinion, your members uh, to uh, the new, what I would consider the new labor market? Because so many of the small independents have been telling us that they did lose employees. The employees did not come back. They were busy working in other industries. You know, they they went and started working in warehouses. They are delivery people for UPS or Amazon, and they're not coming back to work in our kitchens. So we're having to adjust to a new labor model. Um, What do you see them having success doing?
2: We have lots of conversations amidst the coalition about compensation and benefits. Uh, One of the things that the IRC is also trying to do is find healthcare resources that will be more affordable for employers to provide to employees. I mean, there's, there's this tiny little profit margin, right? You've got maybe 6% and you need to pay people differently. You need to provide them with benefits differently. In some states, uh, paid time off is different. And so there's sort of this rejiggering of the financials behind independent restaurants. And it's super challenging. And at the same time, there's no industry better suited to figure this out. You know, it's you've got all these incredibly creative, talented, smart people, right? They will fuss with a recipe until they get it right. They will fuss with a floor plan until the flow is right. They are applying that same intensity and that same creativity to these problems. So while there's not a clear solution right now, I think you know, within the next year or two, you're gonna see more significant changes that have come out of the need to address those very same problems.
1: Are you finding um, any particular champions on Capitol Hill? Um, people who, um, you know, and you don't have to name them by name but who the lights have turned on, they, they, they get the message and um, these are folks who are, um, you could turn back to uh, to really get some things done.
2: Yeah. And I'm happy to name
1: some names. Okay. Sure. Um,
2: you know, the restaurant revitalization fund would not have come into being were it not for Congressman Earl Blumenauer Mm -hmm. in, in Oregon, who, who led the charge in partnership with representative Brian Fitzpatrick. Um, and then in the Senate, senators, uh, Wicker and cinema carried the torch for the restaurant revitalization fund. Um, representative Dean Phillips, uh, has really, um, you know, been a champion for restaurants. And and then the list grows from there. I mean, last week I was really lucky to meet with Representative McGovern, um, who was just remarkable and sees ways that restaurants fit into solving problems. So the support and the advocacy and the champions we have in Congress uh, grow every day. And so much of that is not my conversations that people in every district across the country now have their representatives' phone numbers in their cell phones. So they're not just calling and saying, hey, I need. They're saying, hey, thanks for doing that. That helps us. You may not have thought of us when you did that, but let me tell you how that benefits us too. So there's two-way communication now. There are relationships that were built out of crisis. And um, yeah, I mean, the champions are just remarkable.
1: You know, one of the things that you were mentioning that um, really uh, connected with me was discussion of the restaurant operators as on the front line of democracy, as we well know, our constitution, the founders, they had built this particular uh, structure of government and the constitution based on the fact that people would actually be involved and they would vote and uh, that's why Congress has so much power of the three yeah. branches of government. And now we're, we look, we're looking at restaurant operators for what they really are, is they are uh, communal. They're, they're businesses that bring community together. They're influential in their community, particularly right now where we're in this social media Zoom conference world where we're kind of, Detached from each other, this uh, you know, just like in the seventeen hundreds in this country, the inns, the pubs, where people would get together and they would talk about these things, and 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 so it's really exciting to me. I mean, you are dealing with some very important issues on Capitol Hill, but to build this grassroots enthusiasm, and I am really just uh, um, regaling what you said. I am hoping that our listeners would would see themselves in this important light. Well, I, I th- think it's, it's good to mention that, you know,
0: for years, well, not just for years, all my life, I've heard people in public, um, whether it's local, whether it's state legislature, whether it's nationally, comment on um, one of the interesting values of our economic basis in this country is the small business you know, uh, Main Street, you know, Main Street versus Wall Street. Or we always heard about that, that small business is sort of a, um, is the backbone of our economy. Um, And there are many people that feel like it took this pandemic for them to realize that the small hands-on restaurant owner is the leading small business. Um, And so there are, so many of these leading small businesses in the community that have tight margins and got hurt um, and some irreparable. And and to your point earlier, Erica, um, the rest are still in need. So we're not done yet.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the other things to think about, and Anybody that's listening to us should make sure that they go check their voter registration. And if they're not registered, register. If you changed your name this year, your voter registration may not be valid. If you moved, got to get those things in order. And the state deadlines are all over the place. So I'm I'm not going to quote deadlines to you, but it's important to get it done. Um, The restaurant industry represents one of the widest ranges of age, income, and diversity in employment. And so when we get those folks out voting, right? We are it's not just like we're getting the folks that can have the time or money, right? We're we're actually representing our communities and I think that's really important and I think that all too often it's something that we've left to other people or we're too busy to deal with. Now again, Oregon's a state where it's mail in voting, nobody has an excuse, but if you look at our voter turnout in the past years, it's been really low and hopefully this understanding of how important your voice is in politics will change that.
1: Hopefully, I mean, my last statistics i looked at, uh, half of the eligible voters under 40 years old in the last election just didn't show up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you make a very good point. I think the restaurant listeners out there would agree. I think the restaurant industry does employ the most and has the wide variation of age range and the most diversified employment Mm -hmm. base. Of any small business, you know, that's out there, and um, and it um, needs to be congratulated for that. Uh, there's, I've only spent my entire life in restaurants, so <laughs> it was hard for me to to realize that main street business had such tremendous issues. You know, say with uh, uh, non English speaking uh, yeah. workers, I thought I th- we we're in a restaurant that was never really an issue or an issue of say, male, female pay disparity. And I thought, I only know restaurants. You do the work, you get paid. Um, the lady cook next to me is getting paid the same cook wage I'm getting paid. I, I didn't understand that, you No, know, in other industries, there's all kinds of games. Uh, we had just as many female managers as, as male managers, um, you know, in, in restaurants and so So I think other small businesses could maybe take a lead from what restaurants have been doing forever.
2: Yeah, I mean, restaurants are um, America's favorite first job we are the number one employer of returning citizens um we you know we're a great training ground restaurants have some of the highest numbers of minority managers you know it's you're right what the the rest of our communities could could take a page out of our books we we definitely are a great place to cultivate whatever it is you bring to the table and i think that's also something from an awareness perspective, how many times have you working in restaurants heard like, oh, when are you going to get a real job?
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. Yes.
2: Right. And so it's really important to change that mindset.
0: Well, yeah. And and there are many things. Barry's probably smirking because, you know, he edits a magazine that writes about this all the time.
1: Well, you know, but I learned a lot from you, Chris. And and these are, you know, the things that Erica is on the front lines addressing our our st- struggles in the industry that go back as long as I've been involved in this industry and and perhaps as long as you've gone back, the lack of the concept that, that is not really a profession that, that, uh, Oh, you know, these businesses are doing fine. If they're, if there's people in their tables, and it's, it's, it's gotta be an easy business to get into um, all of these things. And, and so um, it's really nice to have somebody who's actually telling people who make decisions in Washington that this is how it really works. I don't think
0: there's another industry in the country that has a more possible and faster route from employee to management or from management to ownership. Um, I'm sure a large portion of the members of the Independent Restaurant Coalition are currently, obviously, chef owners or their husband and wife owners of restaurants. And they started by having their initial job in restaurants. So I don't know if other industries say can go from worker to then business owner as quick as you can in this one. Yeah.
2: And the skills, you know, let's just say you don't want to be in a restaurant. The the business and people management and hospitality skills you learn in a restaurant, you, you aren't trained in all of those in the same way that you are in a restaurant. And they apply to everything. Like if we took the hospitality of the restaurant industry and put it into other industries. I mean, we live in a much more gracious, happy world, if I dare say, you know, that, well, I mean, that hospitality, yeah. that service, that warmth, that that love that is delivered in restaurants is missing from a lot of other industries. And it really
1: makes our industry special. My favorite definition of hospitality is it's kindness to strangers. So for the benefit of our listeners and our uh, many restaurant owner.com members and magazine readers, um, tell them what they can do to support what you're doing, to be more involved in what you're doing, to connect with the IRC. Um, uh, You know, feel free to give that pitch if you would.
2: Well, I'd love to. Um, I mean, first and foremost, if you are an independent restaurant owner, consider joining. Uh, There is strength in numbers. Our membership fees are very low and on a sliding scale based on restaurant revenue. They, You can start as an industry advocate and not even be in the industry for a whopping $52 a year. Um, and then our sort of entry-level pricing, if you're a small restaurant, you may pay $100 a year. And that will provide you access to a whole peer network that is in this fight uh, and advocating for issues that matter to you, gives you the opportunity to be a voice in, in identifying the issues that you need us to address, and then there's also some remarkable peer support. For instance, um, I had a, a restaurant owner recently say, "You know, I'm a member. I, I bought this restaurant from my dad. I need to completely revamp everything. None of his finances make sense to me. Do you think there's somebody else in the coalition that would, you know, spend some time with me to talk through some of the things that I'm thinking about and see if they actually make sense?" And we can connect people like that and that are so generous with their time and are willing to do that. Um, We are working, like I said, on developing more benefits for our members. Um, But becoming a member, you get to tell us what it is that you need. Do you need a buying club? Do you need more say with whatever it is? Like, Come to us, build this organization with us. And let's make this industry more sustainable for everyone, for restaurant owners, for employees, for our communities. We have the power to make this change. So I encourage everybody to join us. If becoming a member isn't your thing, join our mailing list. Uh, We'll prompt you when there are moments when you need to get on the phone and call your congressperson and make change. Um, Most of our work has been done this far through the gracious support of, of sponsors and donors. Uh, which is also an opportunity. That's how we keep our membership rates low is through the the good graces of, of kind support from sponsors. So lots of ways to involve growing organization, lots of room at the table. We are a group that really believes that being independent doesn't mean being alone, and we're really keen on building longer tables. So I invite anybody who's listening to to come
0: join us. They go to what website?
2: Independent Restaurant Coalition.com, the longest domain name ever, but it is easy to remember. Independent Restaurant Coalition.com.
0: And then I've got to ask you um, this question has probably come up before, but if you are a small independent restaurant operator, you like what you stand for, you want to join, they might be asking, how is this different than the membership I already have with the Restaurant Association?
2: So the National Restaurant Association has a really broad audience, right? They are supporting chain restaurants, there's, um, in, in some states, like in Oregon, they're um, the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association, right? So they have many, many constituencies that they have to serve. At the Independent Restaurant Coalition, we're singularly focused on independent restaurants and bars. So I'm not telling anybody to abandon their membership, but that is what right. sets us apart.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well said. Thank you. So what's next Uh, i mean you told us of the issues that we're working on Uh, i like the fact that even though there aren't state associations you feel like you have a really good grassroots um, program what kind of membership level are you at um what do you how do you see it growing um say in the short term
2: well right now um we have registered october as independent restaurant and bar month and uh, i like it yeah.
1: It's, this is great timing. <laughs> a great great reminder. Have a also. Month? Yeah,
2: it's a great reminder <laughs> to go out and make a reservation at your independent restaurant and bar or make yes. sure you're skipping Starbucks and supporting your independent costume yes. shop this month. Like let's get in there and support these businesses. Uh in tandem with that, we're having a number of events, um, most of which are are online. We're doing a panel with our good friends from Open Table on October 18th that's talking about supporting the next generation of hospitality professionals, about creative mentorship, about how to engage employees. So we're offering program like, like that. We're starting a whole new series that I'm calling Between the Lines. It is essentially a book club. Um, and our very first one will air online, of course, October 25th, featuring one of our founders, Will Gadera, um, and his new book, Unreasonable Hospitality. So we're going to continue to create content that supports and nourishes this community. We're also starting a little series that we're calling Heard, which will continue that education of consumers and legislators. Let's just say we'll tackle the delivery fee issue or maybe on the heels of the white house conference on health and nutrition you'll see a chef making their kids lunch and figuring out how to make a healthy lunch that your child is not going to trade for twinkies which i know is a challenge still um for me it was always the hostess ho-ho so my mother wouldn't allow us to have but, you know, you could trade something mom put in your lunchbox for those. <laughs> um, so we're going to be continuing to develop that content. We we have over 150,000 members of our coalition right now um, who are very ad- active in being a voice of independence. But this industry has 500,000. So we have a long way to go to um, to really fully represent and have representation in every state in the nation.
1: Is a conference um, in your future, or is that really not the the direction that uh, your organization you know, might go?
2: I don't think that you'll see us having trade shows or conferences, um, in the, at least in the next year. Those are a pretty significant expense, and I think our money sure. is better spent providing direct support and, sure. um, and advocacy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not to rule it out in the future, I have lots of members that keep wanting to do things like that. So Mm -hmm. so maybe we'll we'll grow to that. Uh, What we found, especially with the busy schedules and with the labor challenges that everyone is facing, that providing online meeting places and online content that can be accessed on demand is better for the industry right now. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to get out of your kitchen for an hour, much less traveling to go to an event someplace. So uh, for right now, you know, I, we all want to think that the pandemic is over, but it's not, it's just waning. And so exactly.
0: it's, 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 it's uh, what did I, I hear? They say it's manageable.
1: No, it's not gone. No, no, yeah, definitely.
2: And, um, and you know, we're, we need to honor and respect that not create places where um, folks are gathering that that could then put them at risk. And there are lots of other organizations, whether it's um, tales of the cocktail or, you know, world's 50th best that are having those gatherings. And we'll leave that to them for now.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. I, I'm so pleased that you were able to take some time because I know you got your hands full. You're, you're working feverishly. You guys are doing such a good job, especially when you consider the fact that you've only been around a couple of years. So we thank you for taking time. And I wanna make sure that all the listeners realize that that just cause it's a long domain Go to it, independentrestaurantcoalition.com. Uh, learn more, support it if you can. Uh, Barry and I are big supporters of the Independent Restaurant Tour. You probably see that if you've ever seen the magazine or see all the content that's available on restaurantowner.com. So we are, uh, we're fighting the war with you. And uh, having said that, we hope that maybe you'll come back and visit with us again, maybe, and give us a little update on how things are going and uh, give us some additional news that we can share with all of the independents that listen to Corner Booth regularly.
2: It would be my absolute pleasure. And I really appreciate you both taking the time and inviting us. I know it's not the easiest these days and you got interrupted by a barking dog, but um, I really enjoyed our conversation (laughs) and I would love to do it again. And as some of these uh, issues that we talked about earlier um, in the conversation, get a little closer to seeing congressional action, maybe we can get together again on those.
1: Excellent. Great presentation. Very informative. Really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Thank you so much, Erica.
0: And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Hopefully, we'll see you again really soon on another Corner Booth. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.